The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, I guess we can call it hot and cold. That's today's episode, hot and cold. We break down some of the hottest teams in the NBA right now and talk about teams who either are going cold or going to stay cold. The Paper Tigers that are going to flame out most likely in the playoffs. And yes, you know who we're talking about most likely, the Utah Jazz is in that mix. So go ahead, Brock, and drop that beat. Uh, Who are my sleepers? Who is my West Coast sleeper for the NBA playoffs? And the first team that shockingly came to my mind. Not a team I talk about a ton. Not a team that has historically gone very deep into the playoffs. Not a team that has attracted a ton of free agents. But a team that's playing really well right now. And a team that is doing all the right things at the right time of the year. Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks. It sickens me to even say that, but it's true. What a crazy year. If you're a Mavs fan, it hasn't gone quite the way that you were hoping when you saw Luka play for Team Slovenia. You were hoping that maybe this would get him in shape faster, and in fact it actually got him out of shape faster because he chilled all the way out after the Olympics were over. He said, I ate too much, I hung around on the beach too much, and then he was basically fat and injured for the majority of the beginning of the season. And as Luca goes, the Mavs go. Last year ended, of course, disastrously. The, the Mavs should have beaten the Clippers, but Kawhi was a robot, so, like, fine, right? They led to the exit uh, of the only coach to ever win a championship in Dallas. There was tons of drama. Luka hated Rick Carlisle. Luka hated the fact that Chris Tapps Porzingis was still a maverick. Luka hated the fact that they got rid of Dennis Smith Jr. There was just hit piece after hit piece after hit piece. Accusations about the front office. There were scandals. There was finger pointing. There was Luka saying nothing. Chirp, 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 chirp. And, of course, that led to... Rick Carlisle being offered a one-year deal, which was pretty much like a prove-it deal. He said no. Now he's in Indiana. Now we've got Jason Kidd. Fast forward. And all of this was then dumped into the lap of Jason Kidd, who, well, let's face it, has had um, his own 
share of off-the-court controversy, I might say. So things were starting off a little rocky. A little rocky from a reputational standpoint. Like, hey, do we even want to hire Jason Kidd? You hire a first-time GM who came from the brand side in Nico Harrison. Good dude, but unprecedented. Does he even have relationships with the rest of the league? He's been slanging shoes for athletes for 20 years. So let's just say the expectations were sort of tepid, right? Fast forward to today, not only has the team been restructured by shipping out Porzingis to Washington for Bertans and Dinwiddie, but the entire nature of this team has been transformed. So let's get into it, because there's a few major things that the Mavs have done to put themselves into a position to do what I would consider to be damage. They could knock off a really good team in the first round. First, Luka is is back in shape. Luka's not fat anymore. Luka has been able to finish out games strong. He said he's not winded in fourth quarters anymore. That's huge. I would say your superstar not being winded in fourth quarters, completely out of breath, needing the oxygen mask, I would say that's huge. Also, the Mavs are the hottest team in the West right now. Momentum is big. It has everything to do with that defensive intensity and, of course, Lucas Health and we'll call it wellness, fat, fatness. And because he's not fluffy anymore, he's able to defend. Well, he's still kind of fluffy. He's defending at a career-high point. He even told people, I think it was L.A., he yelled at the crowd, I fucking play defense now. What's up? Like, okay, Luca. He went from a liability on D, where everybody was making fun of him because he was slow and, like, able to get cooked. Even KD said, like, he kind of plays possum with how quick he is. He tries to be slow on purpose, and now he's a, def- a plus defender right now. Since December 31st, when the Mavs started their tear, Luca has a defensive rating of 104.5 and an offensive rating of 112. That is an eight and a half net rating, and he was a negative 14 when he was fat. That's a big turnaround, I'd say. And because he's not a defensive liability anymore, the team defense is all the way up, as they say. A lot of this, though, falls on a couple of players. Reggie Bullock, who they poached from the Knicks, and Maxi Kleba. Reggie Bullock has a defensive rating of 108.6, and Maxi Kleba has a a defensive rating of 106 as well. But the team defense is the reason to me that the that Dallas is so dangerous. Mavericks, by the numbers, we'll get into some nerd shit really fast. Number two in NBA in opponents' points per game, 103.7. Number one in the NBA right now in opponents' points in the fourth quarter, 24 points they're allowing in the fourth quarter. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely absurd. Number two in defending the three. They're only giving up just shy of 11 threes per game. They're number six in opponent free throws per game at 15.1. They don't foul a lot. And that is because they're able to play defense and stay out of the bonus in a place where that leads to less fourth quarter points per game. Number two in opponent's offensive rebounds per game at 9.4. They're number one in the NBA in blocks per game at just shy of four. They're number three in the NBA at steals per game at just shy of seven. So what does this all mean? To me, it means that Jason Kidd has has installed 
not only an incredibly active defense that challenges a lot of shots, hence the blocks, presses the ball beyond the three-point line, hence the three-point defense, blocking out like a stone wall, which is why their other teams aren't getting any rebounds, and doing it all while not fouling, which means that fourth-quarter points come at a premium given the fact, like I said, that they're not in the bonus, these opposing teams. They're basically able to have greater cushion in the fourth quarter to amp out the de- amp up the defensive intensity while not worrying about teams going to the free throw line. Sheesh! Second thing about the Mavs is that they have decided we're building around Luka and we're okay with just one star. We're okay with just one star. Probably the only team with one star that could actually contend right now is the Mavs. And that meant... Get rid of the unicorn. Give up that experiment. He is no star and not going to be a star here, so ship him all the way out. Here's what became apparent to Jason Kidd. He felt that Kevin, Kevin, Chris Dabbs Porzingis was in the way, and then the opportunity arose to get two contracts that are movable for one big inflative contract. So they pulled the trigger, and he did that knowing full well what the ceiling could be on a one-star team. The Mavs did it. With Dirk Nowitzki. They won it with one star and a bunch of role players like himself. They brought in Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. They got a system that works for both players, and it shows. The new starting lineup of Luka, Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Jalen Brunson, and Dwight Powell are, check this number, nerd shit, nerd shit, alert, alert, open your eyes, plus 51 in 173 minutes. That starting lineup is a plus 51 in 173 minutes, and of course that means that they are winning a lot of basketball games. Dinwiddie said uh, recently on a quote that this team knows what they need to do. Brunson knows how he fits with Luka on the court and knows how to lead when Luka is resting. They both know how to work together synergistically to be able to lift up that superstar, a single superstar and a bunch of really good role players. And although they don't have a super high, super highly rated offense, they are number three in the NBA in the least amount of turnovers. They're number seven in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. So they're super efficient on offense because Jalen Brunson is one of the best point guards in the league, and we've talked about this before, at not turning the ball over and being able to assist at a high rate. He's, only at, he's averaging only 1.73 turnovers per game. On, set, on 32 minutes a game. Luka averaged like five turnovers a game. So if they didn't have Luka on the team, they would be probably number one in the league at assist-to-turnover ratio, period. And, of course, the another big turning point for this team is getting Spencer Dinwiddie, who the Wizards did not want, who the Wizards thought was a cultural issue, who the Wizards thought was clashing with the rest of the squad and Brad Beal in particular because he wanted to be a star. But... Listen, Dinwiddie on a good team understands he is no star. He understands he's a good off-the-bench guy, and he's fitting in perfectly. 18, 2, and 6 in his first few weeks. But what's even more important is how he functions when Luka's off the floor, which we've seen as well. We'll get to that in a second. And that is shocking. The whole fit with Dallas is probably shocking to a lot of Wizards fans. Dinwiddie, I thought he was a cancer. A lot of people in Washington thought he was the locker room problem. But now that he's out in Dallas, by the way, Dinwiddie had 36-2-7, leading a Luka-less Mavs team. 36-2-7? 
Wow, to come from that's the low low assist number though, isn't it? He was he was hooping. He let the world know after the fact, after they played the Kings, how he was feeling about playing in Washington. This is what Dinwiddie said. When the role changed in Washington and they wanted me to pass more, they felt like I was scoring a lot, and I did that. I took my foot off the gas scoring scoring wise because that's what they felt well, the team needed to get Kuzma and KCP involved and those guys shots I said look I already got paid I don't care this is if this is about y'all trying to get the shots y'all need whatever but to be bashed on the way out of the door hurt my feelings for sure I think I'm human of course the I think I'm human part just solidifies to me who Dinwiddie is but that is another story and another topic for another day because when someone says I think I'm human he's questioning all of his reality at all times. It's something that's definitely, get off the weed, Spencer. <laughs> anyway, when asked about the difference, the biggest difference between the two teams, Spencer said, not to beat a dead horse, but Dallas's commitment to the collective and to the winning games is all that matters to them. Yikes. That is damning. That is damning in terms of how the Wizards were operating while he was there and his opinion. And of course, the NBA being the NBA, the Wizards responded and Wes Unsell Jr. decided I'm going to go into deflection mode uh, and said, well, we're not going to get into the accuracy of that statement. Okay, that's one of those classic coach speak where it's like he's definitely calling Spencer Dinwiddie a liar without saying he's a liar because it's like well I'm just not going to get into the accuracy or by the way Spencer Dinwiddie could be totally telling the truth and that's like the biggest deflection because he doesn't even want to say whether he's going to question the validity or not because if he did he might have to lie on the record classic stuff then we have Kyle Kuzma who then was also asked about Spencer Dinwiddie's comments NBA drama is my favorite thing in the world and he goes I'm sure if you go back to tidbits I know I always said I wanted him to be aggressive I know Beal always said uh, he wanted Spence to be aggressive so I'm just gonna leave it at that we're past that honestly we're focused on the guys that are here if you go back to tidbits, that's such a funny word, tidbits. Here's the, here's the thing that's true. Spencer was pissed because he was getting buckets. His role was asked to change. He didn't want to be a six-man when he was being paid to be a starter. That was pretty evident and said multiple times around the team because Spencer Dinwiddie believes that his, his skill set is on the same level as Kyrie Irving. He didn't want to be relegated on a team like the Wizards, which frankly makes a lot of sense given when he was scoring a lot, the Wizards were winning, and when he was not scoring a lot, the Wizards were losing. So I get all that. Uh, probably a better scorer than the rest of the Wizards roster outside of maybe maybe Kuz, maybe Beal, probably Beal, but not in the fourth quarter for sure not. Uh He's not a point guard, but he's not quite a shooting guard. So the fit was weird. The role was strange. And truthfully, the biggest criticism that I've heard about the Wizards is all about Wes Unsell Jr. A lot of players I heard find his offense to be quite confusing. And they are, what, what, was, what did he say? I'm not going to get into, and they're not going to get into the accuracy of whether he can coach or not. They're not going to get into the accuracy of whether his shit makes any damn sense at all, but they're questioning whether it is the case. 
Jason Kidd, though, who has done this a time or two, is making shit very simple in Dallas. And that's how you get guys like Spencer Dinwiddie to not worry about all the noise and focus on, like, six plays, which is what happened when Spencer Dinwiddie ended up leading the ship when Luka was out. They gave him six plays to run, and they kept it super-duper simple. And this is what Spencer told the Dallas Morning News. Coach Kidd, one of the greatest point guards of all time, he simplifies everything and makes sure it's streamlined and what it needs to be. Processing information and a lot of information is hard. Making it more complex than it needs to be makes it even worse. Like it makes the, the goal almost unachievable and unattainable. That's what we strive to do here is make complex shit sound as simple as it possibly can. And sometimes it takes a very high brain processor in order to make things that are complex simple. I'm not going to get into the accuracy of the processing speed of Wes Unsell Jr. at this time. Uh, he probably summed up what's happening in Washington as well as anyone when Spencer Dinwiddie said this. I think Washington's kind of in flux. You're looking at their roster. They were trying to get Beal to sign the Supermax. They still are. They've got a bunch of young guys like Denny, Rui, that they need to develop. Then you got guys that came from the Lakers that wanted expanded roles. They all, all wanted to be the guy. you got a first-time head coach. So you've got all these different dynamics going on where people are trying to establish themselves in whatever roles or positions they may want to be in the league for the next five to ten years. With that being said, all those balls in the air, hard juggling process, Tough to do for any coach, any organization. The amount of ricochet shots being said in that paragraph, everyone is power-mongering. Everyone is fighting for an expanded role. No one was willing to sacrifice, and you have a new head coach who doesn't know how to manage egos, and that shit is disastrous. Then you've got Bradley Beal that go, goes down with a season-ending injury, has surgery, and it's night-night sleep mask. But it's, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Dinwiddie does. I'm looking forward to being on the lookout for the Mavs. And if you're a Mavs fan, there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, and on top of that, the schedule. Let's talk about the schedule here for another second. Uh, very favorable. Power rankings show that there are only four teams that the Mavs are not favored against for the remainder of the schedule. Uh, they might even progress to a four seed and get home court against the Jazz. There's a possibility that it's going to be four or five, Jazz and Mavs. It just depends on who's going to get home court advantage. Mavs have won seven of nine clutch games, defined as a game within five points within five minutes. And the big criticism of Luka over the course of his tenure has been that the Mavs have sucked in the clutch. But since he returned January 1st, the Mavericks are 11-5 and in clutch games with a net rating of plus 4.3, nerd shit. The Mavericks are 12th in both offensive and defensive rating during that time span, during those critical clutch moments, and the numbers have only improved with Spencer Dinwiddie and Davies Bertans. Mavericks are now 5-1 and since they've acquired those two in clutch games, and they have a net rating during that time period of plus 72.7. Small sample size, but pretty incredible. And now that Rick Carlisle is gone and the stench of him is gone, Luke is actually dunking on people. Luke is happy. He's smiling. He's laughing and joking in his postgame pressers. He likes this team, even more so now that Chris Dabbs Porzingis is fucking gone. All the shit he didn't want on the team, gone. All the players that help him become better here. Does that mean they're going to make it to the finals? Probably not. But they could upset somebody, and it shows. 
Luca, like I said, skying for dunks. Brunson shooting 70% from the field. And Dinwiddie might have just found himself a long-term home. And when it all falls down, man, I promise. Uh. And when it falls down, who you gonna call down? Come on, come on. And when it all falls down, man, I promise. I'm so self-conscious. That's why you always see me with at least one of my watches. Man, I promise, these teams right now are so self-conscious. They have no idea why they're at the top of the standings. Oh boy, when the playoffs are coming, six weeks away, it is not too early to point out that there are some fan bases that feel good, some fan bases that feel kind of sh shook. But there are teams that are paper tigers right now, and if you're a fan of any of those four teams, you've got real reasons to stress. Let's start with Chicago. The Bulls have relied on DeMar time and time and time again to bail them out. And the world might think, isn't that a good thing? Don't you have a fourth quarter scoring option? When Zach Levine and all these boys get back healthy, they're going to be a force. Uh, this has happened 30 times a year. Uh, but it appears that this team has real trouble against good teams. The Bulls allow more shots at the rim than any other team in the league, according to Cleaning the Glass. Uh, more concerning, though, the Bulls are 3-10 this season against the top five East contenders. Worse, they are not only winless against Miami, Philly, and Milwaukee, they haven't even beaten any of the top three teams in the West either. They are 0-13 against the top six teams in the league. The Sixers, Bucks, Heat, Grizzlies, Warriors, Suns. And if you're saying, well, these are tight, contested battles. You know, it's a, it's a chess match. It's a boxing ring. No, they've lost these games by an average of 12.8 points. They're getting absolutely stomped by the good teams in the West and the good teams in the East. So if you're a Bulls fan, and if you're lucky enough to get out of the second round, it's going to be a beast for you. I don't. I think this. they're upset city. They are one of the teams you should be absolutely scared about. Will they be better with Patrick Williams? Fuck it. I don't know. Alex Caruso, you know, Zach Levine. Is his knee right? He keeps getting platelet replacement therapy, which is literally spinning his plasma inside of his knee and re-injecting it. That shit hurts. That's not a healthy knee. That's not a healthy knee. So, Bulls, Paper Tiger won. Everyone's darling, number two paper tiger, Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's not because they're like, they have organizational issues besides just the fact that their owner's a piece of shit. But like, outside of that, awesome. They've been in, insanely exciting and having the talent all over the roster organically that you could only dream of. Their win total was like 27 and a half. And they blew past it by the All-Star break. So they were pretty steadily in the top four until the East, in the East until a recent run of really injuries. Mm -hmm. Every team has bad stretches. I mean, someone like the Trailblazers stretched that over an entire season. So, like, we've been this way all year. But this is, like, the thing that's been very troubling. The Cavs are, in the last three weeks, suddenly gone from number one defense in the league or number two defense, depending on what metric you're using and what time frame you're using. But they've gone from being one of the toughest defenses in the league to suddenly allowing 115.8 points per 100 possessions, which is now 29th in the league, which is Trailblazers territory. Before that stretch started, they had the number three D ranked in the entire NBA. 
Yuck. Why has this happened? Well, besides injuries, J.B. Bickerstaff, the coach, thinks it's because they just got too comfortable. But I think the truth is much harder to fix. This team is just way too banged up. They just are. And that sucks because that monster lineup that they've been running out has been super fun. But the injuries have been way too hard to deal with. I'm not talking about just Sexton and Rubio. This team was 20-14 and 14 with Rubio and 16-15 and 15 without him. Markinen has missed 21 games. Garland's missed 13 games. Chetty Osman has missed 12 games. Kevin Love, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley have all missed eight games. uh, Karis LeVert has missed six out of a possible ten games since being traded. And now the latest, the worst blow. All-star Jared Allen has now a fractured finger and is out indefinitely. This is rut-row land. This is paper tiger land. The Cavs now face a very hard, very long stretch without him. And they are not the same team without either of them. They're 5-12 and when either Evan or Jared Allen are not playing. They're 32-15 and when they both play, which would put them as that percentage of win, win percentage would put them as the number one seed in the East. Just terrible, terrible luck all around. And I was super stoked to see this team maybe, like, knock off somebody. They get all the, the home court advantage. They get an eight seed. Like, that would be cool. I'd like to see that. You know, like, take out a power. I don't know, maybe, like, face the Nets in the first round. It's like Kyrie goes back to Cleveland. Burning Sage. We'd love to see that. But I don't think that that's happening. I think that they are going to end up in the playoffs and probably be barbecue chicken, like, very easy meat to feast off of for whoever ends up getting them in the first round. Third paper tiger team. The Utah Jazz, yeah, of course. They're just like Paper Tiger all year, every year. Like, pretty much, that's what they do. They just, you throw, throw water on them, they just, ah, just collapse. As Nate Robinson said to me once, trash, trash, Utah, trash, Utah. I've been predicting their playoff failures for a very long time. I said that they were the most overrated team in the NBA going into the playoffs last year. That happened to be the case. I also predicted it preseason this year. They've had some good runs. They looked exciting for the first 20 games. They saw maybe they were going to be the number one seed. Now they're not even able to get the one seed. They're not even able to do what they did last year in the regular season, be a regular season team. Zach Lowe just broke down uh, the Jazz on his pod and said pretty much what I've been saying. They've done nothing to address the issues systemically on the roster. They cannot defend on the perimeter. We've discussed this millions of times. They are too slow and too old and not athletic enough on the wing to basically be able to handle these guys like the Clippers, right? And you might be saying, Trista, but they're playing so much better now. Spider's back. They went 1-7 and seven when he was out, and Rudy was hurt too, and now they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. And to that I say, it's the two losses. It's those two losses that you look in and you say, well, that's troubling. They lost to the Clippers by five. A team that 100% has their number. They got their doors blown off by the Pelicans this weekend by 30. What? Uh, 34 points in a game where Donovan Mitchell praised Herb Jones as an absolute problem, locking him down. And Herb only had two points. Spider told Pels coach Willie Green that Herb's, Herb's instincts are incredible, said he's one of the very few rookies that he has to plan for, like Davion Mitchell in Sacramento. So losses like these, 
underscore how unsettled the Jazz can get against teams that are very athletic, can run, they're small, and they're able to move, switch everything, be able to pass the ball around. The Pelicans' blowout was their second loss to New Orleans this year. So this is not an anomaly. They've lost to Memphis twice, another young athletic team. They've, min- they've lost to Minnesota on their own home floor this year after Minnesota beat them twice last year. The blueprint for the Jazz – to the, for the blueprint to beat the Jazz is just be more athletic and skilled than them. Like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, all very good pieces, but they just can't athletically hang. The question that I have for Jazz fans is this. If they couldn't hang last year with these athletic teams, what exactly has changed this year that makes you think that they could go to the finals? Because I just heard today on some NBA show that, like, maybe it was a podcast, that they, they might blow up the entire roster if they don't go to the, to the Western Conference Finals this year or to the finals. Like, alert, alert. Let me just say this very, very clearly, like Stephen A. would say. We get all that? Like, we get all that. They're not going to the finals this year. They're not. There is going to be organizational change. They are going to have to blow everything up. They tried to get Nikhil Alexander-Walker from the Portland Trailblazers, thought that that would be some rotation player. He hasn't even played. Like, he has not sniffed any minutes. This team is not good. Joe Ingles tore his ACL. He's out. You don't even have that shooter anymore. The team without Joe Ingles is not even as good as last year's disappointment. Right now, they're staring a 4-5 matchup with the Mavericks. They might get bounced out of the first round. And I tell you what, even if they go up up 3-1, I don't put it past the Mavs because it's happened twice before. Utah lost to the Nuggets. Utah lost to the Clippers when it looked like they had the series in hand. Anyone who thinks that the Jazz can survive a seven-game series or a game seven against the best defense in the league in 2022, they hold a one-and-a-half-point game, one-and-a-half game lead for home court. Gross. Can you imagine Dallas, Game 7, in Dallas? Fast, long, athletic. No! Come on now. They could be a 5C when the playoffs come around. And that is a big yikes. I mean, let's just say this. Like, the Jazz are cooked. The Jazz are the team that's been cooked for a long time now. They're not even a paper tiger. They're just, like, paper. They're just paper. Finally, filed under things that you hate to see. Trista Crick being right just only in March instead of in October. The team that I thought could definitely disappoint ended up going 9-1 and one in their first 10 games. The things, though, that I said could happen are now happening. Yes, folks. Could the Golden State Warriors, a number two seed in the West, actually be a potential paper tiger? Yes, because things have gone off the rails in the Bay in, an, in a way that not anybody, not just anybody could predict, only me. Only me. Following their stellar start to the season, they went 26-6 and six out of the blocks. People were talking about 70 wins. Myself included. Even I became prisoner of the moment. Stay firm, little Trista. Stay firm. Stand tall in your beliefs. Don't let them bully you online. But listen, they have only won two of their last 10 games. In their last 27, they're just 14-13. and 13. This is not a good team right now. All-star, quote-unquote all-star forward Andrew Wiggins is averaging 14-4-3 in the last 10, down from 17 a game before this. Jordan Poole, 14-4-3 as well, down from 18 a game before this. Steph Curry is in the worst shooting slump of his entire career. Draymond Green 
His return, still up in the air, has a bulging disc in his back. That shit does not just go away. James Wiseman, where is he? He's a ghost, somehow traveling with the team, not seen him. His return, probably not imminent. Jordan Poole looks like a little deer in headlights right now. His ego and his confidence is shot now with the return of Clay Thompson. He's basically getting benched for Moses Moody, Moses Moody. The guy Otto Porter, the guy that looks like Wilt the Stilt, he's disappeared. All those players we thought were giving the Warriors significant benefits like, Bia, Bia, why you acting like a... He's now out of the picture. Come on now. Iguodala, nowhere to be found. Klay Thompson, still struggling. He's rusty, shooting 41% from the field in his return. And here is the real problem. Without Draymond... Their defensive rating has fallen from 101.9, top five in the NBA, with Dre on the floor, to 111.7, without him, 19th in the NBA. The defensive rating has fallen from top five to 19th in the time period that Draymond has been gone. And Draymond has missed 26 consecutive games. Not only has the defense collapsed, but the offense was 22nd in the league in January after being number one. 13th in February in the offense with no Dre to be the playmaker in the middle. And NBC Monty Poole summed it up best. Despite their impressive record, the Warriors are vulnerable to most any team that competes hard enough and long enough to expose the worst of the Warriors. Wait for them to anesthetize late, particularly at home, as the Mavericks did on Sunday, and then go take what you want. The word is out. Jump the Warriors. Jump them hard. Push them to the kind of anxious moments that lead to mental errors, which are more likely with experimental rotations in play with Green and Iguodala out of the picture. They are fresh meat. In prison. Hey, girl. What's your name? Come over here. Come over here. They got their fresh. They got their fresh prison prison garb on, and everybody in prison looks around like this person is easy work. They don't even know what's coming. Jason Kidd even talked about this same exact thing after a huge comeback win against Golden State. He said this. The guys just kept believing that if we could get three stops, we felt that the crowd kind of gets out of the game. The energy wasn't there. So we just slowly felt if we just stayed around watching the last game that they played in Denver when they gave up a huge lead as well, it was very similar. Double team Curry, pressure the Warriors to make bad shots and wait for them to fold like a cheap suit. It's a suit, right? Folding chair? Cheap Cheap suit. And you know what that sounds like? An early exit. It sounds like me shooting out crow. Other people eating said crow. Tell me I'm wrong. The Warriors, we got to get back to this, Brock. We got to get back to my prediction when I said that they would be potentially very vulnerable with all these little role players and Steph Curry having to shoulder all the burden. Who knows what Clay's really going to look like. Listen, if Draymond comes back fully, 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 fully healthy, he looks like the player that he was, all bets off the table. But I am not banking on that, and neither should you. This is exactly how the Memphis Grizzlies beat Golden State last year. Blitz Steph, force him to turn the ball over with his loose-ass handle in the playoffs, which he has. Force other guys like Wiggins in high-pressure moments to shoot the ball, and they, and he will never make those. Fourth-quarter playoff Wiggins is maybe the worst basketball player I've ever seen. 
He's. I think I, I've, I tweeted about it endlessly during that 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 uh, game and the play-in against the Warriors or against the Memphis Grizzlies when they bounced them out. They didn't even make the playoffs. They gave up a huge lead to the Lakers because the Lakers did the exact same thing to Steph as I'm giving you the blueprint for now. And the Grizzlies would almost certainly see the Warriors in the second how second round if somehow they managed to win. They could probably get bounced in the first round depending on who they end up facing. If that doesn't make Golden State fans nervous, I don't know what will. Except for the fact that I'm going to be annoying as fuck when I'm right. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. Wednesday night, most likely. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Follow us on social at this Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok. We will see you then. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam, it's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com.